Jimmy Garoppolo getting his first action here in the entertainment capital of the world. The world. Touchdown, Las Vegas. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Airs it out down the middle for Adams. Got it. Inside at the 10. Time to get your daily prescription restriction from the doctor. Number two here coming your way, working our way towards the Super Bowl next weekend. And like we said, tomorrow, I'll be on my way to Sacktown. So we will have Jose Valente in for me, Chris Wynn on Friday. And then Monday, we'll have a special show for you, saluting our Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers. Uh, so we'll have some uh, recorded interviews for you with that. And then back Tuesday, and then Radio Row next week, getting ready for Super Bowl 58. And of course, this weekend in Sacktown, the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration is back. And uh, the class of 2024, it is our annual reunion of great Sacramento athletes, past and present. It is a reunion. It is fantastic. It is a lot of fun. And if you are in the Sacktown area, uh, make sure you come on out at Thunder Valley Casino Sunday night at 7 p.m. That is uh, the event uh, saluting our class of 202024, which uh, features Matt Barnes, James Donaldson of great NBA fame, Major League Baseball side. You have Nick Johnson, Leon Lee, and uh, we uh, talked to those guys the last couple days. And then Jamie Whitmore, who you'll get a chance to hear from a little bit later on today, uh, the class of 2024. So tickets on sale now, ticketmaster.com. And uh, come on down Sunday night. You will love it. And again, it's a one-of-a-kind event, Sacramento's best sports night of the year. Sunday night, 7 o'clock, Thunder Valley Casino, the ninth annual Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. And our next guest, who is our resident comedian for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, because he is a fantastic sports fan. And uh, we've had him on the show, as you know, many, many times here, because not only is he a big sports fan, he's a diehard Raiders fan, and i got to believe a Chiefs hater, too. And he will be performing like he does at every Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, roasting our inductees, the one and only Dennis Gaxiola. What's up, Dennis? TC, what's happening, brother? Uh, you're not on a golf course today. That's a little bit shocking. Well, you know the Lord's not happy with the Super Bowl when he's got all of Northern California crying. I mean, it's raining so bad I can't even go golfing to get to drown out my misery. Wow, get that rain out of the way. That's right. You know, you and Nick Johnson, man. I don't know who's on a golf course more. You know, uh, you or him or some of our other Hall of Famers, man. You're um, right with them. You know, uh, that's, that's how you get left. After you get to a certain age, there's no more jumps. There's no more throws. All you can do is swing a club. <laughs> All right. So let's set the stage here. Uh, Dennis Gaxiola, he roasts our inductees at our annual Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame event each year. You are probably the only guy that has poked, jabbed, and even insulted the likes of Dusty Baker, Bill Cartwright, Summer Sanders, Teddy Bruschi, Danny Buns, Lance Briggs, Larry Boa, Steve Sachs, just to name a few, and you get away with it. You get away with it, my friend. How is that? I'm five foot seven. I'm I'm a uh, hundred and seventy pounds. Other than Tony Lopez, all of them would feel bad hitting me. You know, <laughs> but Tony, you know, I've just let him know his head is so big. That if he hits me, it's not even hard to hit him back. He's got a big head. Yeah, you think? <laughs> that was his best weapon was to try to wear out people's hands. You don't know, no, but uh, all jokes aside, I have a blast being behind the curtain with you and all the inductees and, uh, you know, uh, getting to meet them and become friends with them. You know, I, I tease Tony a lot, but we actually go out to dinner with the wives and we've become good friends, him, Laredo Garza, um, all these guys, uh, Dusty, you know, you, you sit there watching these guys play and then to have them know you by your first name is, is amazing. Even, even the big man, um, what's our big center? What's his, uh, Bill Cartwright. 
he even had me to appear at his dad's birthday party. Then right. I, you know, it, what an honor to be able to uh, represent the Sports Hall of Fame um, at an intimate, intimate gathering of uh, for his father's 90th birthday. So, um, uh, you know, it's an honor to be there with you guys. Well, you got a heck of an agent. It sounds like you know that, that's great. Well, yeah. well, Gina, you know your wife. <laughs> she's my agent. Don't <laughs> oh, oh. in charge. Nobody, nobody, get it twisted. We know the, on the night of the event, hmm. stay out of, uh, stay out of Hurricane Gina's way because yeah, she is in charge. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, but it's it's a great event. Um, this year's class is amazing. Um, I'm afraid of Matt Barnes. I don't know why. <laughs> you should be. I mean, because you've seen him on the court, and maybe his tattoos scare you. And, you know, Warriors lore, Kings lore, Lakers lore. I mean, yeah, the guy, the, you don't mess with him on the court. But I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you right now, you're going to be blown away because the guy's a teddy bear. He is a tater and people, and he's going to get mad at me for probably saying that. But I mean, he's been on the show. So people, pe- people have heard that and they say, well, you know, cause you know, Matt Barnes does have a reputation. There's no question. He has a reputation of being a bad boy and being an enforcer, so to speak, and all that. And he likes to mix it up. There's no question about it. But now this guy has another side to him, man. He is, he, he's very, very cool and he's very humble. I'm wearing my Kobe Bryant mask when I roast him. That way, you know, he knows I'm not even going to flinch. There you go. That's <laughs> nice. That's good. That's good. Uh-huh. All right. We're looking forward. Dennis Gaxiola will be uh, entertaining everyone on Sunday night, Thunder Valley Casino for the ninth annual Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration. And uh, we love having you, brother. Love having you do a fantastic job and brings uh, just that entertainment value, that levity to the occasion. That's what I love about it. And again, you know, you've been through a lot of Hall of Fames and this and that. I mean, what we do is is totally different. It is. It, it's it really hits on the the historical side, the human side. You know, and and getting to see these guys like you mentioned up close and personal. It's just not for you, uh, you know, behind the curtain. But the fans get to meet and greet these guys yeah. and see them as well. And like I said, then you've got the fun. We got the jams, we got music, we got entertainment, and we got comedy, and uh, that's what I think is so unique uh, about our event. Oh, you! It's a for those who haven't been, you're missing out because it is a first class show for each inductee. I mean, the slideshow and the presentation and the video that you guys put on for each inductee is amazing, and uh, and then after to be able to take pictures. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing. Uh, the Special Olympics, are they going to be there this year? Of course, yes. They're a charitable partner. Yep, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, uh, you know, they, if you have a heart that's alive, you will get moved with, uh, every year I get moved with the presentations for the Special Olympians. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's like a night to look forward to for those of us that know about it. And if you haven't been to it, you are missing out on one of the, not one of the, the best event in Sacramento every year is the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. Thank you, my friend. All right, before we leave that topic, uh, is there a, a one moment or jab or joke that you delivered that you either like, like either regretted or felt threatened by one of the inductees? Steve Sachs, um, did not take take uh, kind, you know. He didn't appreciate me teasing him about his throwing problems, which I thought was hilarious. I mean, you're a winner in life, bro. Lighten up. <laughs> but um, you know, I before we go out, I I touch bases with each inductee, and um, the brother that was uh, he was the draft pick that the Patriots got for the pick that led to Jerry Rice, um, James Owens. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, he was the, uh, the lineman from the Patriots. Oh, Trevor Maddich. Trevor. Trevor. Yeah. yeah. Such, such a nice <laughs> gentleman. And when I told him what I planned, he just made it so clear. He goes, you know, Jerry Rice is going to the big Hall of Fame. This is my Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, and can you just, re- you know, not mention Jerry Rice? Let me have my moment with my family. And I 100% got it. And it wasn't a night to compare him to mm-hmm. the GOAT, 
you know, wide receiver of all time, but to let him have his moment. So I want to be funny, but I don't want to take away from anybody's night time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so worst case scenario, I come for you, brother. <laughs> and, and Trevor joins us uh, each and every week. And uh, so people who listen to Trevor with his astute analysis uh, for college football and pro football, uh, now they're going to have a, a different uh, viewpoint. Like, oh, yeah. And we came across this. Uh, we were going through putting together uh, this year's opening video. And there was uh, a picture of Trevor with his plaque. And, and he was lo- looking down, had a scowl on his face. And he, that was because of Dennis Gaxiola right there. How is that? There There is. (laughs) You know, of course, uh, I will always make fun of Tony. So uh, Tony Lopez, he's he's like one of the crowd favorites, uh, just because he's so accessible and he's he's the everyday Hall of Famer. If that makes sense, you know he he doesn't come in there acting like I'm all that. He's Tony from Sacramento, proud to represent Sacramento, and. You know, it'll, it'll be a fun night. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, brother. Yeah. Um, we haven't got a chance to talk to you since uh, the end of the Raiders season. You're a diehard. You make it back to Vegas a couple times a year. Uh, you, you know, black hole guy back in Oakland. You're Raiders thick and thin. And every time the Raiders do something uh, stupid, my phone blows up with something from Dennis. So what was your <laughs> thoughts uh, giving Antonio Pierce uh the the job there and then also how do you feel about uh you know dipping into chargers uh land to get to your general manager um i love the antonio pierce hire because i said it last year and i don't know if you remember but that when when the locker room turned on um mcdaniels Mm -hmm. that mark davis wouldn't have a choice but to get rid of him and it didn't take long because with my military background, you know, that guy's a, a lieutenant, not a general. And in order to be a head coach of one of the 32 teams, you need to be a leader of men. And Antonio Pierce proved it because he all of a sudden guys that were pulling up and not giving their all, when he got rid of Marcus Peters, that let everybody know this man ain't playing. You give your all or you're not on this team. And... He validated guys like Max Crosby and um, Trey that they wanted 100% on the field. They didn't want anybody there for a paycheck. And I, I just, uh, I, I, I love the, the approach he's taking with the team. He's hiring ball players that have coaching experience to be around him. The general manager hire, I get it. He wanted somebody with experience. And it makes it easy to pick apart anybody's draft history because the draft is a crapshoot. Jamarcus Russell was the consensus number one pick. And he, you know, and he bombed. So you can hit and miss throughout your career, but he has enough good picks and he was playing, he was, you know, he was leading a, a flawed organization that didn't want to pay a head coach. So I'm hoping his drafting pays off and that he stays out of the way of Pierce and let the men lead the men and let the administrators administrate. Yeah, and I think that's that's what you'll have, you know, no doubt about that. Dennis Gaxiola yeah. joins us, comedian extraordinaire, and again, a Raider fan now. You've got a Super Bowl here in Vegas that, and I know how you feel about the Niners because on social media you've got you're ripping Niner fans all the time. You still got this, even, even though the Raiders uh, have left the Bay Area, you still are giving it to Niners fans. So the Niners are here in the Super Bowl uh, in in the Raiders' house at Allegiant Stadium, and their arch nemesis, the Kansas City Chiefs, are going against them. I don't. Is this one of these days where you just you go watch cartoons or something? You go to a movie? Do you, do you not watch this game because I cannot see you rooting for either team. You know what? What, what was the the show where the craziest things would happen? Where it, the where where like somebody wanted to read and then the world ended and he was in a library by himself? What was that show? That crazy show back in the sixties and seventies. Um, uh, it sounds like where, it's before my time. I don't know. If it wasn't the Munsters, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but the, there's that show where somebody's worst nightmare comes true. Uh, and Mark Davis, 
His worst nightmare has come true. He moved the team out of the heart and soul of Oakland, moved them to Vegas. He has his beautiful palace. And I get it. Oakland is a corrupt city run by uh, corrupt politicians that have ruined Oakland. So I get it. He had to leave. But what a nightmare where Pittsburgh Steelers had more fans there than we had fans. Um, Every game, I think Pierce is going to change that. And I think they should revoke people's seat licenses, give them their money back if they don't want to come to the games. If all they're doing is being a ticket hawk and flipping the tickets, we got to return that stadium. And, you know, now for the Super Bowl to have, you know, the little, the little pansies across the bay, the wine sipping people <laughs> in Santa Clara. They're not America's team. They're great America's team. And to have them in our turf going up against Kansas City, it's a nightmare. It's it's the two worst teams to any real Raider fan. That's true. With that being said, are are you picking somebody or what? Kansas City went on the road. They beat the number three and number one seed. 49ers struggled with the number seven. And we're very lucky against the number three at home. I think Kansas City's going to smoke them. I don't think it's going to be close. Well, here's the, you know, for me, I'm all about handicapping the the best quarterback. And I have a real problem going against Patrick Mahomes. I, you know, it's hard. And especially with Brock Purdy, what he's displayed over the last couple of weeks. Yes, he led game winning drives, but it really wasn't all him. It was Christian McCaffrey. It was those drives against the Packers at the end and, and then the Lions uh, at the end of those games. But McCaffrey came up big and yeah, he had a couple, you know, nice uh, completions. But I mean, how much do you trust Brock Purdy? And the most important game in a Super Bowl against the defending champions that has not only Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the way Isaiah Pacheco and others are playing right now, but going against that defense. As you know, being a longtime you know, Raiders fans and those rivalries with the Chiefs, the Chiefs never really got it done. They had to outscore opponents. But this year, they flipped the script. I mean, Kansas City's not scoring over 20 points for the most part, but their defense is going up big. So... The Niners' calling card has been their defense, but, man, they didn't show up. They got shredded for over 400 yards against both the Packers and uh, especially the Lions last week. So for me, man, I, I think I have to, as much as I like San Francisco and the makeup of the team and the personnel that they got on both sides of the ball, Purdy still scares me, and no way I'm going against Mahomes. Because you go against Mahomes last week, you got burned. You went against him the week before, Buffalo, you got burned. So to me, man... I'm going Patrick Mahomes over Brock Purdy any day of the week, twice on Sunday, three times on Super Bowl Sunday. The 49ers, they're even talking about benching Chase Young because uh, of his lack of effort. Cleveland Farrell was the heart of that defensive line this year, eating up blockers and just giving 100%. I, I don't see how they're going to stop Kansas City, and I don't see the 49ers being able to to do much against that defense. My prediction on social media yesterday was 31-17, and I'm sticking with that. Kansas City uh, should win this Super Bowl easily. I mean, Brock Purdy's big 50-yard pass, if the defender just gets a hand up and it doesn't hit his face mask, if he just swats it, we're looking at Detroit, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So... The 49ers are very fortunate to be there. If I, if you said, who do I want to win? I have a lot of loved ones and close friends that are 49er fans. I would take the 49ers, but dollar for dollar, sports for sports, just calling it as I see it. Kansas City and a walkover. So how much does this uh, sicken you, Dennis, that, you know, for the Super Bowl week here in Vegas, the Chiefs will be practicing at the Raiders' beautiful new facility in Henderson. The uh, 49ers are going to be over at the Fertitta Football Complex, which is nice, but it's on the campus of UNLV. The Chiefs get to uh, be in Mark Davis's home on Sunday, you know, the Palace, like you say. They're not going to be at his uh, facility for about eight days. Uh, now, I'm sure that you know he's reaping the rewards of some nice rent there, maybe. But uh, what do you think of that? Is that, is that an insult to injury? Twilight Zone was the show I'm thinking of. It's oh. just a better part. Yeah, it's 
he's having his Twilight Zone episode. Um, but, you know, I think having with Antonio Pierce is going to be a great recruiter. But for them to be able to see those facilities, um, I, I don't think that's a totally bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because they, Kansas City is going to have a salary cap issue and they're going to be having to pay the, pay the price at some point. So I'm, I believe the, yeah, it's the twilight zone we're living in right now, brother. <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, if not yet, uh, will you be adding any Dan Campbell references to um, either your Hall of Fame performance on Sunday night or in the future for your other gigs? Oh, definitely, man. Some of these coaches think they're playing Madden. There are certain things in this game of football that transcend time and trends. It's the, You don't take points off the board in a championship game, and when you're playing on the road against a superior opponent, you take what you get. You don't gamble. And they lost by three, and he gave away six points. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. All right. How do you feel about Lamar Jackson? Um, like anybody, when you're going in a championship game, when you're playing against the best of the best, there's there's certain things about a quarterback like Mahomes who can get out and use his legs when needed, but stays in the pocket and makes those passes. That that's it's proven time and time again. Um, Lamar Jackson, I mean, I got to see him play when they came to Vegas. I got to see him in person. He's one of the great athletes to ever play at quarterback. However, in championship football. You need to be able to sit there and make the plays. You can't, you know, something about Baltimore in that championship game since he's been there, um, they just come up short. Uh, and I really like him. I think he's a great young man. So he, there's, there's, there's truth that don't, you cannot run from. Mm-hmm. And a quarterback needs to be able to stay in there, look downfield, see the receivers, and hit them. And if you're looking to run and not make the play, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to win a championship. See, Dennis, I think he's getting too much of a free pass, even even for you. Because, listen, if you're going to command that money, you're going to hold out a training camp, you're going to do all this, all right, and, you know, you are going to be in the conversation of, of most valuable player. You've got to be better than that, okay? You've got to be yep. better than everybody else, and you have to put on your shoulders, okay? Where were those legs? Have we now begun to see the deterioration or slight deterioration of his running game and his ability? Even when he broke out on that fourth and one, when they were in desperate mode already early on in that game, he ran and busted it, but he didn't run away from the defenders. Do you see how he just kind of like, okay, uh, when am I going to slide? When am I going to go down? He was like getting ready to stiff arm. Man, you got you got to. And then you look at what Brock Purdy did. Brock Purdy put his head down in, on that final drive when they extended the lead from yep. three to ten. This guy's you know, on a 35-yard run. And Lamar Jackson is, like, looking to duck and hide. I don't get it. And, again, throwing that interception in the end zone into triple coverage, no. And that's not the first time that we see this. We see this in big games, specifically in the playoffs. He hasn't been to championship games before. This guy's gotten bounced to wild card games, got bounced in divisional round games. Now he makes it to the to the uh, championship game in this conference on his home field in a game they're favored, and he can't deliver. So, no, I don't want to hear about MVP. I don't want to hear about this guy. And I've been anti-Lamar Jackson forever because I don't think he's that bright. I, I, I don't think he can read coverages. His his accuracy has gotten better. Yes, okay, I'll, I'll give him that. But when they needed it the most, he failed again. No free passes. He's got to take just as much blame for that loss as Dan Campbell's taken for the loss in Detroit. I, I cannot disagree with you. You know, he... Uh... There's a reason there's championship quarterbacks. Tom Brady was not a great athlete right. as far as running around. Tom Brady was a leader of men, and he could put the ball into the tightest windows under the biggest pressure in the biggest spotlight. Lamar is not that guy. 
They should give out the MVP at the end of the season, not the regular season. After the Super Bowl, let's give up the awards. Yeah, yeah thank you. you. Right. I don't you know, to... you, you, you can run it up all you want in the first 17 games of the year, but when the big money games are on, you know, you, you, can't, you can't have the, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Flacco's playing better ball than you in big games. That's it. You got it. All right, my man. Uh, we'll let you go. But before we do that, uh, tell everybody where they can find you, either in person or online. Uh, Dennis has great stuff. Uh, dry bar comedy. Uh, just fill everybody in, brother. Uh, yes. The two specials are on Amazon Prime and on all the social media platforms. Um, Comedian Dennis is my handle on all the social media I'm actually be at Laughs Unlimited tomorrow night, getting ready with my material for Sunday night. So um, looking forward to coming up, seeing you. And uh, I, I don't know if I'll be skinnier than you yet, but I, I'm down. I'm down. One six, I'm, I, I told Tony Lopez that we would have a celebrity boxing match if he got 170. Under 170, so it's not happening. I'm there. Tony's nowhere near. This is a guy that competed at 130, 135, 140, even later in his career, and, and he's not seeing 170. He's not seeing that. Oh. He still does look good, though. I will say that. I mean, he looks good for a light heavyweight right now. But I mean, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, he looks he looks great for a light heavyweight. He looks to know that he was the lightweight champ of the world, right? It, I mean, come on, Tony, get it together. You're representing us. Uh, three time <laughs> champ. At least, at least he kept all his hair. I'm still jealous of him hey. about that for keeping all his hair. That darn guy. Hey. I tease him a lot, but man, talk about a teddy bear. What a great guy. What yeah. a great guy. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday and uh, we'll talk uh, some more Super Bowl as well, too. Yes, sir. There it is. Thank you, for Dennis right. Gaxiola out of the Twilight Zone and at the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame performing on Sunday night, Thunder Valley Casino. Looking forward to that. Uh, get your tickets. Come on out. See him roast our Class of 24, 2024, our inductees. Great stuff, all right? Speaking of inductees, we're going to introduce you to Jamie Whitmore, one of uh, the greatest uh, female athletes of all time. may not have heard of her, but uh, her story is amazing. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at the brand new venue at Thunder Valley Casino Resort. Join us as we induct the class of 2024. NBA champion Matt Barnes, all-star James Donaldson, Major League Baseball's Nick Johnson and Leon Lee, and world champion triathlete Jamie Whitmore. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. For all info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. Hi, this is Dusty Baker, proud member of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. You have to be there to see it at Thunder Valley Casino. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in. in, Ah, yes, our Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration Sunday night, Thunder Valley Casino, 7 p.m. Our annual gala. It is fantastic. And the class of 2024, well represented, and uh, got a chance to talk with just about all of our Hall of Famers this week leading up to the event, and it is an exciting night. It is literally Sacramento's best sports night of the year where you get to see all of these inductees up close and personal. Such a fan-friendly event, plus the entertainment, the comedy, you have everything. And more importantly, you get a chance to learn about the trials, the tribulations of our superstar athletes that grew up in Sacramento. Even if you're not from Sacramento, I get this all the time where people will say, wow, I go to the website and I'm from you know, Vegas or St. Louis or Chicago, Minnesota. I had no idea that so-and-so was from Sacramento. I had no idea he had, you know, this many athletes in all these different sports. And, uh, 45 of will be enshrined as of a Sunday night and 10 different sports. And they all have fantastic stories and more importantly, all just great human beings and, uh, very accessible, you know, to the audience that comes to the event each and every year. And uh, one of those you're going to get a chance to visit with right now. Uh, she is one of the most multi-talented athletes ever. 
not only to come from Sacramento, but just uh, her resume is spectacular. She is a triathlete, a paracyclist. She was a ESPY Award winner several years ago. And guess what? She is still competing today. Jamie Whitmore, what's going on, girl? <laughs> not much. All right. Not much. I don't believe that because you just got <laughs> back from Australia. You're traveling the world. You're still competing. And you've got kids. You don't have a down moment in your day. So I don't want to. Let's try this again. Hey, Jamie, what's going on? <laughs> well, I scratched some time out of my day to be on the show because I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You, 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 you won me over with that. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. To let our audience know that may not be familiar with you, Jamie has a very unique and tremendous story that basically defies all odds. Jamie was a successful distance runner. She was on the track team, cross-country tra- uh, team back in high school and in college. Uh, went to Cal State Northridge. Uh, then she found a different sport. She found triathlon. And then she dominated that sport in winning over 12 world championships between all the disciplines that she's done over the years, from triathlon to paracycling, and including an Olympic gold medal that she won in 2016 uh, at the Paralympic Games in Rio de Janeiro. But and a good portion of this happened after doctors discovered that she had cancer. She was fighting for her life. She had three surgeries in a year. She overcame it all and won championships, world championships, gold medals after that as now a paracyclist, and she is still competing today. So the big question that everybody wants to know, Jamie, how? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I tell my kids, live your passion, and my passion has always been to travel and to compete. So... <laughs> Being competitive in sports kind of gives you the best of both worlds. But, I mean, I've been asked that so many times. I've been asked where I get my energy, especially as a mom of four, and then doing all of this. And I I, I don't know. I think it's just it's just who I am. It's what I do. I just keep finding a way. And however I can do it, I keep going. <laughs> but I think it definitely is just that love of competing. That, that keeps me going because I am going to be 48 this year. <laughs> sometimes, I won't lie, sometimes I ask, like, man, when, when am I going to hang things up? <laughs> but I told myself at least until 50, I would, I would just keep competing, whatever it was, whether it goes back to off-road, whether I start this new thing called gravel racing, whether I pick up sit skiing, <laughs> that I wanted to keep keep. Being um, an elite competitive athlete until I was fifty, and and then I would reevaluate at that point. <laughs> okay, but at forty eight and everything that you've gone through, I mean, how give our audience an idea of how long these races are? We're familiar with triathlon and the cycling and everything, but you're talking gravel racing, what all this other stuff. I mean, you just got back from Australia and you competed, right? Okay. How long were these races and, and how many days rounds was this? So for, for the para, for the world cup part, the, the paracycling world cup, my one race is like 20, 25 minutes. That's the time trial. And then the road race can be anywhere from, an hour and 45 minutes to maybe two and a half hours. It just depends on the type of course that is. But then my, one of my teammates and I decided we were going to jump into the rattle gravel race, which is kind of this new thing where it's the cross between road and mountain biking. You, you ride a road bike, but you kind of have fatty tires. And I had never done one before, but they've started opening up these categories for for para-athletes. And so I figured, what the heck, she's doing it. It's here in Australia. Why not? So I borrowed a bike. Thanks to the folks at SRAM and Canyon Bicycles, they they loaned me <laughs> this bike, and I just jumped into the race. And that was a four-hour race because my teammate has one leg, and I have one and a quarter leg functioning legs. Wow. So, you know, we just we rode it together. And I got to tell you, it's remarkable to watch somebody who has – even less of a leg than me, just climb these massive hills that, I mean, I think our first one was 17%. 
And I, I made it up, and she had to get a little shove from one of the media motorcycle guys. He brought her back up to me, but the rest, she did all on her own. I did. We just we made lots of friends. We saw kangaroos. But it was just one of those new experiences, and I loved it. So now i got to figure out how to get a gravel bike and start doing more of these races. But they, they go up to two, 200 miles. It is, is one of the longest races. It, it's amazing to think about. I mean, like you said, you have a, a leg and a half, okay? And everything you went through, you don't have a hamstring anymore. You don't have a glute muscle. And you're competing, winning championships. It is kind of hard to fathom, just even if you weren't competing, for someone to, to hear you say, well, yeah, I'm riding two and a half or four hours. I need two food stops in that time, Jamie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to think about this and your story is such an inspiration to everybody and i know that you know going back to getting that espy i mean where you were recognized you know not only by espn but worldwide talk about how that came about and your reaction to that and then the accolades that came because of that it's funny because when i got the email from the folks at the espies i honestly thought it was spam I almost deleted it, and if it hadn't been for Team USA posting it all of a sudden on their Facebook page, I, I really would have probably not paid much attention to it. And then I thought, holy cow, I've I've actually been nominated. And the whole experience was probably one of the most memorable, most exciting things I've ever experienced because I have always been a huge fan of both movies and theater and then sports. I mean, I grew up in my household. It was Monday night football. We always watched the Olympics. My dad was a huge baseball fan. And that was just everything centered around sports. I was always competing in something. We, you know, it was trying out different things. Like my dad played softball. We did co-ed volleyball together. I played fast pitch softball. I ran. I mean, it was just, we were always a very active family. So to show up to the ESPYs, and I knew very much what it was. <laughs> it was like the who's who, and it was really cool. It was the year that our soccer team was actually doing well on a World Cup level, so they were there. You had, um, the, oh gosh, the, the actor that plays Sheldon was there. I mean, it was just so many people, the whole cast of Glee. Um, I mean, it, everywhere I turned, I kept seeing someone. Richard Sherman was there right after the Seahawks had won. And so I got to sit and talk with him, even though I was a Niner fan at the time. <laughs> All right. And so, it was, I mean, it's just DeMarcus Cousins was there. In fact, he helped get people to vote for me by doing a contest. And so it's just, it was such a community of, of athletes and actors. And so <laughs> I, I mean, winning was just the icing on the cake. Yeah. I would have been happy to walk away with just that experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the free stuff that you get because everybody wants you to try things out. Uh, the pre-parties, the after parties, I mean, walking the red carpet. And I ended up making like the top 32 best dress, which is hilarious. Whoa. I think it was just, I think it was just because I was wearing tennis shoes with my dress. Yeah. Instead of high heels. <laughs> As you should. I, come on. Wouldn't expect anything less. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it was just, I mean, like, I still talk about it to this day. It was so cool. Jamie Whitmore, multi-talented triathlete, paracyclist, SB award winner, uh, going to the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame on Sunday night. When you reflect back over the past 20 years and you view this roller coaster ride that you have endured with the health and near death and and then again having your twins born while you were in the hospital, you know, diagnosed with cancer. I mean, I, I know this is a such a big open-ended question, but when you kind of reflect back, what goes through your mind? And then there has to be one or two things that really kind of either stick out to like, you know, where the second chance comes in or whatever. But I'm just very curious, what goes through your mind when you reflect back? Oh, it, I would say faith and friends. And it's one of those where it's not that my faith was tested. It's that my faith grew stronger. I was, I've always been a believer, and I don't know, it was just one of those that I felt there was such purpose in my adversity and my hardships and what I was going through, and I would, I kept telling myself in the midst of it all, 
when you get out on the other side of this, you're going to look back and, and you're going to see the why because it's too hard to see the why when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it. And then it was the community, the friends that I had made all over the world and throughout the years that I got to see rally and really lift me up during that time. And even complete strangers that would reach out to me and talk about how what I was going through had an impact in their life, how my willingness to not give up or the fact that I was pushing through or then pursuing becoming a Paralympic athlete. And and it, it just, I mean, it was crazy. It's just crazy how where I am today is because of just so many people in my life helping me (laughs) and maybe me helping them, I suppose too, but just that community of people. You're still competing in your forties and near 50. (laughs) I don't want to remind you, but you brought it up. Okay. Uh, (laughs) You've accomplished so much. What keeps you going? You know, I think through the site, the evolution of, of an athlete, kind of stages of being an athlete. You start out and I was just so focused and driven on winning, 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 being my best because that's, that's, that's what you do. You're always striving for the first place, the top. And then once you reach all of that, what do you do if you want to keep going? Because let's face it, as we get older, there are people half my age racing and it kind of starts to evolve in being more of a mentor or, and supporting my sports. I've been a huge believer in just the fact that women, we have all these opportunities because of things like Title IX, and if we just walk away without still investing, then our numbers go down. And it's even more true in parasports is that there there aren't a lot of women and there aren't a lot of people with disabilities that are going out there and becoming elite athletes. So if you just disappear, then you know, my category kind of declines. And so being out there, I feel like I'm still, I'm still holding my own, by the way. I've made some podium finishes quite a bit, but it's, it's more of just being in the mix with, with them and helping to kind of mentor the next generation that it's kind of tricky because when you're able-bodied, that's what we say for people who don't have a disability, but when you're able-bodied, you grow up through a process with all of these things programs and everything that help you grow. But sometimes in the world of para sports, you can go from someone who just, you know, jumped into that sport to all of a sudden now competing at a world championship level. And there hasn't been the steps in between. So you can be very green when you show up to, to an event that sometimes with able-bodied, there's been more of a process. And so I think it's all the more important for, for veterans to stick around and lend that knowledge and experience that someone might not get because they're having, they're in the midst of this crash course <laughs> of showing up at a selection event. And then now you're named to the roster to go to the world championships. You know, so I feel like, I feel like as long as there's relevancy, I'm going to stick around and, and help grow the sport. Awesome. You know, when you were younger, you were a swimmer, then you were a runner, then you got into biking, mountain biking, all that stuff. And, and I know that you had told me before that, you know, Hey, that's why the triathlon really kind of appealed to you because you could use all of your talents and not a lot of people have all those talents. They usually specialize, maybe, okay, they're predominantly, you know, a swimmer and some of those other legs are going to be, they're not going to be as good. But, uh, did you feel when you were competing in the triathlon? triathlon that you were just as good in one discipline as the other, or did you, you know, you know, feel that, okay, I just let me get through this stage. This might be my weakest one, but man, I kick ass in this one. Oh, definitely the latter. I, I, I would say, even though swimming was my first big sport, that definitely was my weakest. And I, I wasn't willing to put, to invest the time to be better at it because in, in off-road triathlons, it was, it was like 20% of the race. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to spend more than 20% of my time training for it. So I often had to learn to have patience because I would come out of the water, you know, maybe top, barely top 10. And then I had to bike my way and run my way across the finish line <laughs> to try and be first. So it was, it was definitely learning to endure and be patient. Uh, the, 
I would say most courses, my strong point was cycling. But oftentimes, it, it would come down to the run. And we were battling it out. One race, I, I remember being down by an entire mile against my biggest rival, Melanie McQuaid. And I was, I mean, I was, it was kind of a flat race. I had lost my shoe in the mud, had to go back, pull it out, put it on. And, and it just seems like I was slowly making gains, but I was gutting myself that entire run. And then I saw her with maybe, I'm trying to think a couple minutes to go to the finish line. And I just was hoping she didn't know I was coming, that she thought I was still so far off because I was literally sprinting with half a mile to go. And then I could see her and I could see the finish line. And, and I, I knew I had given so much that I didn't know how much I had left. And lo and behold, coming into the, the finish shoot, I passed her and crossed the finish line. And and it's just like there were several times where races came down and it was that close. Muddy, muddy shoe there. You cross the finish line with, <laughs> with a muddy shoe. I, I don't know. So, I mean, uh, are you big into pedicures? That's what I want to know. Because I can only imagine, I mean, uh, how many, you know, millions of miles, I mean, have gone on those feet, whether it's running or cycling <laughs> or whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm not saying I want to look at your feet. I'm not saying that. But, you know, for a guy who kind of enjoys a good pedicure, I'm just wondering if you're into that. No, not really. Especially not anymore because I can I can only enjoy it on one foot. I don't even feel the other one, so I feel like I get jit. Uh, oh no! <laughs> what a sense of humor! Oh my gosh! <laughs> Hilarious! And motherhood obviously is uh, is treating you well as well too. I don't know how you find time uh, for it and to find the balance. But again, you know, competing as much as you do and being able to to be a mother and uh, and all this—it's just. Uh, it's a, it's a great tribute. It's a great story. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You know, I don't know how I find time either, but my, my days are definitely spent mm-hmm. from sunup to sundown, you know, pouring into the kids while they're at school, pour, trying to pour into myself, and then rushing back to get them at school. And I'm always running them to some sport or drama or something. I've even started a running club after school two days a week so that... And I've got, I've had up to like 15 kids choosing to run. (laughs) And I mean, I take them out on five, five to 10 Ks and, and it's just like seeing, I, I, I really want people to learn that sports should be a lifestyle and there's something out there for you, whether you don't have to be coordinated and have to catch or throw balls or hit or um, play football, that there's running and there's cycling and there's yoga and Pilates. There's just so many ways that you can move and be active and healthy and to make it a lifestyle. And so that's what I'm trying to do with these kids is showing them that, you know, maybe you're not into soccer, you're not a team sport kind of person, but come out and just run. And the greatest thing about running is you can measure yourself every day. You don't ever have to compare yourself to someone else. It's Mm -hmm. how are you improving day in and day out? And how much further can you go this time without walking? So it's exciting to see them all accomplish their first 10K and be super stoked about the fact that they just ran 6.2 miles. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. And I know that you're an advocate of, of people participating in multiple sports like you did when you were younger as well, too. Right. And everything seems yeah. so specialized these days. Even though you may be good in something, it's, it's good to have these kids get out and play and, 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 and try multiple sports. Even if they don't, aren't successful at them all, just try it and you never know where, where you might end up. Right. Exactly. And my other selling point is I tell them, look, if soccer is your focus, running is going to make you a better soccer player. There you go. And, and, and it's just getting them to come out. And I also do plyometrics with these kids. And let me tell you, I never heard so much groaning and moaning. <laughs> <laughs> and then watching them try to do things where it takes like serious coordination. But it's, but it's fun because it's introducing them into something new. And, and, and it's taking weights out of the equation because I know especially young boys are always wanting to hit the weight room and get stronger and tougher. And it's teaching them that you can use your body weight and explosiveness to get stronger and you're not going to hinder any of your growth or hurt yourself. 
because it's all based off of just your own body weight. So it's fun. I love teaching and stretching because let, let's face it, nobody likes stretching when they're young. They don't understand the importance of that. <laughs> Jamie, appreciate the time today. Uh, awesome stuff. Congratulations on your induction to the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. Looking forward to see you on Sunday night. Uh, enjoy every moment of it because it is so well-deserved. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it and hope to see a lot of folks out there. You got it. All right. Take care, Jamie. Appreciate you. Thanks. There she is. Jamie Whitmore, multi-talented, triathlete, paracyclist, SB award winner, still competing today. She has an amazing story. And if you want to know more about that story, go to the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame website at sacsportshof.com. It has been great um, getting to share the stories of these athletes from different sports and our Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame induction celebration is always uh, a night that people just, they leave out of there and they're just like, wow. And uh, hopefully you got a lot of that out of the interviews that uh, we played for you today and uh, during the course of this past week. All right, Nick Johnson, Leon Lee, the superstardom that they achieved in baseball, one in the major leagues, one in Japan, and then in basketball, James Donaldson being seven foot two, not picking up a basketball, in learning the game until he's a senior in high school, being an all-star, to Matt Barnes and all the difficulties he had as a youngster, you know, growing up, going to UCLA, winning a world championship with the Warriors, and playing, you know, 14 seasons in the NBA. Fantastic story. And then, of course, you've got Jamie Whitmore and her story, a triathlete who has gets cancer, fighting for a life, and now takes up paracycling and dominates that and wins gold medals and represents Team USA. All right. It's been great. Have yourself a great one. Enjoy. We'll be back at it on Tuesday. Do it for your name. Cause there's gonna be a day when you're